Good morning, good people. My name is Nikki, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from around the world and over 40,000 downloads. I'm so excited to have you here today because we have a special guest. Today's guest is Andre Albritton from The Millennials Next Door. He specializes in providing financial coaching and education to millennials, specifically in the Atlanta area. He typically assists people who have been saying they will eventually get their finances in order, but they've only accumulated a junk drawer of sorts. (laughs) His process involves providing clarity, creating an organizational system, identifying inefficiencies and opportunities to achieve balance, protect your assets, and grow wealth efficiently to provide you more options to enjoy every chapter of your life. I'm so excited to have you here with us today, Andre. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Nicole. I'm just happy you have me on. You know, I'm a fan, so I feel Thank nice you. to be Thank on the you. show. <laughs> Listen, reading through that bio, like, got me excited. I'm getting all my words twisted. I love that. <laughs> First of all, I love that you focus on the Atlanta area because I feel like people in Atlanta really be making moves and money at the same time, but really helping them with that junk drawer, that's brilliant yeah. because we do accumulate a lot of stuff. So I love the bio already. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about investing in general. So of course, the first question I have to ask you is, how did you start your investing journey? Yeah. Uh, so for my brand, the Millennials Next Door, I've been doing it since like 2016. Nice. And the whole influencing thing, it happened by accident. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't fun. But um, I think that's kind of when it started. So like 2016, I was doing that, learning about everything, learning about investing. I always thought I was good with money. Turns out I was just cheap. I didn't know much of anything. But like fast forward to 2018, I say, you know what? I feel like I did enough research. I'm just going to invest a little bit of money. And I remember my first stock is a stock called Signet Jewelers. They own a good majority of all the diamonds in the world. So that's a whole other story about how the scarcity of diamonds is not even real, fabricated. Anyways. Oh, no. uh, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I hate to break we'll, have, we'll definitely have to talk about it. Like, I feel like we could have a podcast episode on just that entire story. <laughs> we really could. But yeah, like, I bought this thing in 2018. I think I bought it for like around $60. It tanked. I think like went down to maybe $40 area, $30 area. You know, I eventually sold. But that's like my first investing experience ever. And wow. it went well. I kept going, learning more, picking up a few tidbits here and there. But it went well enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's so interesting. I don't remember the first thing I purchased. I want to say it was an ETF. I just don't remember which one, but I, I remember that. Like you remember the first one because there's so many feelings that are happening at the same mm-hmm. time that you're about to press purchase. But I love that you said you felt like you educated yourself enough before you actually made that first uh, purchase. So how did you educate yourself on the different kinds of assets that are available for us to invest in? Yeah, that is an excellent question, a question that most people don't ask enough. So for me, Nicole, I went to the School of Hard Knocks and YouTube University. Mm. I did not pay for a course. I didn't read a book. I said, okay, you know what? Let me just see what it's about. I mean, I read a little bit, just know a few definitions. So I'm not totally lost on YouTube or mm-hmm. in my School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> yeah, um, I just kind of dived into it. I think that what really helped and will make any good investor an excellent investor I mean, really in life, you just dive into anything, like you put all your efforts into it, it's going to show. Like, yeah. you know, results may vary, but if you put in the work, usually your results will be decent enough. But yeah, it was just some free resources and then I started teaching others. And I think the saying goes is that as you teach, you learn. Or yeah. that make sure, you know, you know your stuff, 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, like by teaching us, okay, I definitely know my stuff now for sure. I, I came a long way since a few years ago. Yeah, I love that. I feel like YouTube is, I, I don't know if it's maybe underrated, but I know a few years ago it was underrated as far as like getting education. And like you said, YouTube University, even when people tell me like, oh, I want to go back to school, I'm like, go to YouTube. Whatever you think you want to go back to school, like you can probably learn it on YouTube in five minutes. Yeah. But YouTube is a really, really good place for you guys to start. I definitely agree with Andre. I mean, the, the amount of information on there is endless and you do kind of have to watch out for some videos, but for the most part, like people are pretty good about the investing information. There, there you are. And I'll say for new people, if you're looking for influencers, test a few out. So like maybe follow three of them, see if all the information is lining up. If one seems like kind of off, then maybe don't want to listen to them no more. Right. And definitely social media's age. I'll definitely say, make sure you watch out for all the shiny topics. So like, if you saw someone saying, hey, you should invest in the metaverse, and next thing you know, they're saying you should invest in NFTs, next thing you know, they're saying you should invest in the new trend. Yeah, that's just going for clicks. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this later, but yeah, <laughs> you want to avoid those little gold shiny objects. <laughs> I agree. That's such a good way to put it. Like those buzzwords, the trigger mm-hmm. words and the shiny objects, just compare the three people you follow and see like if there's a trend or something happening between the three, but that's really good advice. Now, when it comes to your, um, when it comes to the first purchase that you made, I, like I was saying earlier, I know when I made my first purchase, I was very nervous to press the button. And I think I was purchasing like $600 of whatever I was buying in my Roth. And I'm wondering like, how can people get past that fear of losing money? Because that was my thought. I was like, this is $600. I might lose it. And I finally pressed the, the button, which, yeah. which is great. But like, what do you recommend people do to just get past it and actually start investing? Yeah, uh, I'll go with three tips. The first one is always education. Mm-hmm. I think if you educate yourself, you won't be as nervous um, so a quick example, I think it was last year, but maybe it was this year, but you know, Dogecoin, Shiba coin. Mm-hmm. I had a few people who told me, yeah, um, they bought into it. They're nervous about it. And I said, well, what do you know about it? And most of the times it's like, I don't know anything. They, I just saw my friend said to buy it. So I bought it. I saw it was right. going up. So yeah, I mean, if you educate yourself, you won't be as nervous. Uh, the other thing I mentioned is always, always invest what you can afford to lose. There's yeah. no such thing as a guaranteed thing in the stock market for sure. Really, any investments, like everything comes with its own risk mm-hmm. and risk may vary. But at the end of the day, like if you're investing in your mortgage or your rent money, yeah, that, that's not a good look. <laughs> Just I'm trying make sure you invest what you can afford to lose. Because if you do lose it, then, you know, you're not going to be crying about it too bad. Mm-hmm. You'll still be able to pay bills. You'll be able to continue your life. I think investing is a necessity for a lot more money, but it's also luxury. You have to make sure you have a good foundation first, then move on to the luxuries. And Nicole, last but not least, I touched on this before, but staying away from the shiny objects. Um, so meme stocks, crypto, definitely NFTs. And for this one, I'll also say, if you're investing money you can afford to lose and you kind of consider a throwaway money, then I'm all for it. Because I got a little bit of Ethereum, I kind of ask throwaway money. If it if it disappears tomorrow, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, I'm just gonna shrug it off. Right, right. Yeah, that's really the point too. Like if you're investing your your rent money, your mortgage, then 
this is, you're just, you're not there yet, right? Like you need that money that if you lose it, if the stock market just falls off tomorrow, you're like, okay, I lost some money, but I still have money to cover my bills and expenses. It's going to be really important. And like you said, when it comes to the crypto, that really is like, I lose yeah. it, I might not. And I, I think I have um, some Bitcoin. I'm just like, it's there, but I'm not throwing all of my money into that one pot, right? Like it's definitely diversified. But again, that that crypto money is like, oh, I'm probably going to lose it. And if I do, it's <laughs> but again, I y'all have to remember those the shiny objects, the trendy stuff, like be wary of that. And I love that you said education. Um, education can definitely reduce the nervousness and the fear that you have when it comes to investing. So mm-hmm. if you think you want to invest in something specific. Just do research on that one thing. If you want to buy Target stocks, just look at Target, see what their numbers are, what the quarter is doing, and then go from there. But that's that. Those are really good tips, actually. I love. Hey, you, you know, I've been trying to bring the fire every now and then. <laughs> now, when we talk about investing, we have to talk about investing strategies. And I know there are like a bunch of different investment strategies, but what is one that you might recommend for a beginner investor? Yeah. So. And I would admit this really for anyone, whether you're a beginner, experts, experts probably already know about it. And this is what Warren Buffett is famous for and that he's still making money from in his life for age. I'm sure he's like in the 80s or 90s by now. But for the strategy, it's called dollar cost average. Um, have you ever heard of that one before? Yes. Yep. Oh, perfect. So you already know. Uh, to explain it simply, dollar cost average style, it says that me as an investor, I'm not going to try and time the market. Because it's difficult to time the market because you have to be right two times. You have to be right when to buy and when to sell. Yeah. That's difficult. <laughs> like, dang nearly impossible. <laughs> so, you know, with dollar cost average style, we're just saying that I'm not going to time the market, but I believe the market will go up over time. So I'm going to average down. So each month I'm going to pay the same amount. If the market's doing bad this month, I'm going to pay, let's just throw out the number $300 into the market. The market's doing amazing. I'm still going to do 300 so on and so on. And the idea is over time, you'll get the average price. Because mm-hmm. as we have seen different within the past two years, sometimes the market will be up, sometimes it'll be in the middle, sometimes it'll be down. So it's kind of hard to time the market. So it's like just taking the guess and work out. And I think definitely by the numbers, DCA, it does tend to work out for a lot of people. Gotcha. I love, I do love this strategy. Um, and it also works really well for people who are like, I, every month I want to be consistent in investing, but I'm not going to try to, like you said, time the market. I'm not going to try to buy this real quick, make a bunch of money and get out. So it really, I feel like it's less stressful because you're like, every month I have a line item in my budget for $300 to go into the market. And whether it's up or down, I'm still going to send that money. So yeah. I, I love that strategy. And I love that you recommend it for beginners as well as as experts as well because it really i feel like it's just less stressful to do it that way it is i mean take the guess and walk out of it investing mm-hmm. honestly is boring so <laughs> keep it boring and you know you'd be okay you don't have to be like wolf of wall street <laughs> oh my gosh right keep it simple and boring guys don't yeah. just be stressed <laughs> out over this now i really want to talk about reits and i honestly don't know if it's pronounced ritz reits rights i don't care oh, you got it yeah we all these things i know that this is an asset that you're passionate about that you talk about um and i just like can you explain what a reit is and how they work yep so i got a quick game for you and i promise these are like no trick questions <laughs> so two first question a post office united states post office tell me how they make money listen 
I still don't know how the post office makes money because every time I go in there, I get mad. Like, why is everyone working in here mad? Are y'all not making money? <laughs> um, I don't know how the post office makes money. I'm assuming just from people sending their mail and paying for stuff. Yeah, like simple. They just make money by delivering packages late. Yeah. All right, you ready for the second one? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. So AMC theaters, how do they make money? Ticket sales from customers that are coming in to go to the movies. Yep, you got it. You know, no trick questions. So two for two, like, good job. You, you did great. <laughs> I love that you said no trick questions at the beginning. And the first thing I thought was, this is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it seems so simple, but I mean, you're 100% right. AMC makes money through tickets, selling overpriced popcorn, pretty much. Now, a lot of these companies, they like to focus on what they do for a living. That's it. So, for example, the United States Post Office, they don't own their buildings. So, a REIT, uh, a real estate investment trust, these are regular stock companies. They just buy real estate. And there's one we call Postal Realty for obvious reasons, they own the majority of post offices in America. Wow. And their tenant is pretty much the United States postal system. Like that's their tenant. They pay rent on a monthly, annual, probably multi-annual basis. And that, that's how they make money. Mm-hmm. And the same for AMC. They're focusing on showing movies, selling the popcorn, overpriced everything nowadays. Everything, oh my gosh. Everything. <laughs> you know, they're not focused on the building either. So there's one week in particular, it's called EPR, and they own multiple properties that, that their tenant is AMC. Okay. So these REITs, they're pretty much landlords. Like that's the easiest way to put it. The main benefit behind it is they have to give 90% of their taxable income back to shareholders. So let's say they make $100,000 on their 1040 for the business, 90,000 is going back to shareholders. Mm-hmm. The same happens to Amazon. They don't have to give the money back to shareholders. They can reinvest it into the company if they want to. But for the REITs, they have to do that to get that tax exemption. And that's why a lot of investors really do love them because it's decent dividend income. Yeah. You won't see much growth, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, that's pretty much what it is. At the end of the day, they're landlords. Nice. And guys, that's REITs, R-E-I-T-S. And the one that Andre just mentioned is EPR, right? Yep, you got it. Nice. Okay, so so again, if this is something that you're like, oh, this is interesting, again, do that research so that you're comfortable when you go out to purchase. And we're not saying go purchase EPR right now. We're just using that as an example in the podcast. Yeah, just an example, all educational purposes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and that was actually going to lead into my next question is, are there different kinds of reads? Which it sounds like there are if there's one that focuses on movie theaters, one that focuses on the postal service. Um, I believe I've, I've seen some that are just medical facilities and that mm-hmm. is in the reads, just different kinds of properties. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot. And one great resource is www.reit.com. On there, you'll see pretty much everything you really need to know for the most part. But yeah, there's a lot of different sectors to read. So you have some that focus just on office buildings, some on industrial, so they just own warehouses, mm-hmm. some on retail. So if you've been to an outlet mall, yeah, it's probably owned by me. If you've been to a grocery chain like Kroger's, Publix, that block is probably owned by a REIT as well. You got residential ones. So if you're living in an apartment, good mm-hmm. chance it's probably owned by REIT too. You got some that are just like for data centers. So all they do is just store data for Facebook and Amazon. Mm-hmm. You got self-storage ones. I mean, as oh, you mentioned, yeah. you got healthcare. And then you got like this like weird category. I call it weird, but it's like specialty REITs. Okay. 
So like those like some they just focus on um was it cannabis land. So oh. into weed, there's one for that. Yeah. Uh, there's one that just focuses on casinos in in Las Vegas. There's one for that. If you're on the south side, if you ever seen like those billboard signs by Lamar, mm-hmm. that's a REIT as well. They just own the plot of land for the billboards. So they're all over the place. We just don't notice them. There's yeah. like the back end of it all. Wow. I, there are some of you mentioned that I didn't even think of like the billboard signs. I always look at the billboards and I'm like, these people are making a lot of money, but I never considered the land that they're on is likely in a REIT. I feel like everything is in a REIT. Malls, shopping centers, yep. pretty much. Malls. Everything. And I think the other one most people don't know is infrastructure. So the cell towers, there's like three main REITs for cell towers. Wow. Nice. Okay. I'm yeah. learning something new today. And I actually <laughs> invest in REITs. I, I love that. I'm going to have to do some research too. Now, I know that every asset has, you know, pros and cons. Is there, you know, is there any pro or con that you think we should know about REITs? And how do you think REITs hold up to other assets like stocks, bonds, and real property for that matter? Yeah. So, you know, with any investment, there's always going to be some pros and cons. I think, Two quick pros I'll focus on is one, they are easy to understand the market. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the mall REITs, um, Simon Properties, that's the REIT, they own malls. And also malls ain't growing, so it's like, okay, if I'm looking for a growing stock, it don't look like it's going to be in the mall sector. Right. I'll probably skip. They ain't like common sense right there. Right. The other one I already mentioned is, you know, that 90% that goes back to shareholders in the form of dividends. That is always legitimate money to me. I love it, thank God. And as far as the cons, uh, let's see. Two cons I'll mention. Um, again, dividends. And just because you have to pay taxes on those dividends if you're not reinvesting them, mm-hmm. there are some ways you could do this technically tax-free. You can put it into a Roth IRA, do the five-year rule, wait till you're 59 and a half, mm-hmm. make sure you have the account for five years or more, and yeah, then you can take out everything tax-free if you wanted to. But yeah, otherwise, if you're collecting the money, it's going into your pocket, into your bank account. Make sure you've declared that tax income for yourself. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, as we can see, like a lot of these pros and cons are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. The 90% taxable income. So if a company has to give away 90% of their money, they don't have that much money to grow with. Right. So a lot of these REITs, if they're not like in a growing new sector like data center or mm-hmm. infrastructure sector, then there's going to be slow growth. Like the healthcare. It's pretty simple. I mean, they own hospitals, senior homes. Nothing ain't changed in the past few years. People are still getting sick. People are still getting better. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see just a smooth increase throughout time. Yeah. Small dips here and there, but smooth increase. It's not going to be like no big growth like Tesla or right. Google. So, you know, it's, you have to think about what you're investing for and just make sure you always do your research on the weeds. Yeah, that's so true. And when you're like, I love that you divided up by sectors because when you think about it, malls are not really, and I, I read an article, I can't remember where, but malls are not the new booming thing. Like people are not going to malls as often as we were maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Now mm-hmm. people have found other places to go. And then of course we get to stay home and just kind of be on the internet and still interact with everyone we know. So when you're thinking about reads, also consider what sector are you one interested in, but two is also growing or it's going to have some kind of incline over time. It doesn't have to shoot up like, you know, data centers or tech or anything, but at yeah. least it's going to have an incline over time. And I, I love that. Honestly, um, storage facilities is one that I've noticed, like there are storage facilities popping up all over the place. I don't know if it's just in my area, 
But I'm like, these people are really like making money off these storage units. So that's something that I'm interested in that I've been researching as well to figure out, is this a sector that I want to get into? But yeah. definitely consider sectors when you guys are doing research as well. And um, also one thing I'll say is make sure you look into the portfolios of what these REITs own. Mm -hmm. So as for example, EPR, I did own them during the pandemic at some point. It did well, but then I saw AMC might go bankrupt. So mm -hmm. I took a look at the portfolio before and I kind of knew, okay, they like AMC money was like 50% of their income. So it's like, okay, if their main client goes bankrupt, there goes 50% of that income. Right. It's like, hey, who's going to actually rent out a movie theater? Probably nobody. Right. But yes, yeah, like, okay, you have to know the type of risk you're getting into. And the same with self storage um, facilities. The biggest risk with them is if the demand goes down. Yeah. Like who's going to use that property and most is kind of sitting there pretty much. Yeah. And storage units are so like, they're made so unique to storage facilities. It's also like what kind of company could benefit from using that if it's like, mm -hmm. you know, divvied up into individual units and stuff like that. So there's so much for you guys to think about when it comes to sectors. So keep in mind, like, how do you, how do you look at a certain sector or industry? And then when you do the research, what do you actually find out about that as well? Now, when it comes to comparing REITs to like stocks and bonds and real property, um, how, how do you think they compare between all of those? It depends. So some REITs, they will grow, but again, ain't, I just don't think for the majority of REITs, they're not as volatile as regular individual stocks. Mm -hmm. Again, because it's real estate, you have something tangible to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Now, depending on your sector, it might be a little bit volatile. You, you never know. But overall, I just think it's just a more easy way to invest and just get dividends along the way. And, you know, I'll make this point, too. I feel like with new investors, they feel like they need to go gung-ho in one area. Like they only do tech only or they only do healthcare or only REITs only. Always divvy it up. So like my personal portfolio is like 30% long-term and in index funds. I got 30% just for trend stocks. 30% for REITs, which is high, I admit, but I love REITs. Yeah. <laughs> I got 10% for risky stuff, like electric vehicle stocks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you can divvy it up just to make sure you just get a decent amount of exposure to real estate. Because at the end of the day, I know for me, I own one home. I don't think I want to own more than two. Like, I might be able to do one more, but that's about it. I don't want to manage it. But I still want to get money for my real estate, though. Exactly. Yeah, this is like a good substitution. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely agree. We we own one home, but I love that REITs allows me to also be invested in property without having to like have all the responsibility of that property. So that's another way to get into it. If you're like, oh, I really want to invest in real estate and property, there, there's more than one way of going out and actually purchasing a plot of land. So keep that mm -hmm. in mind as well. If you're, if you're interested in property, REITs are a good, uh, a good investment to check out. Now, there is something that you talk about called the bucket approach. Can you tell us what that is and how it works? Yes. So the bucket approach is pretty much a three-day system I came up with. And I'll give a quick history behind it all. But doing financial coaching, financial advising for a while, you kind of seen it all. Mm -hmm. But one trend I did notice was pretty much the same a lot amongst all people, whether no matter what income it was, is for the first time, if you're looking at your finances, it can be intimidating, yeah. which I totally get. Like, it's the first time you ever see your bills all in one place, your debts, your assets. It's a lot of numbers, a lot of terms being thrown at you. So I get why it's intimidating. So that's why I made the bucket approach. So we got three buckets to represent each day. 
Um, I'll start on today's bucket. And with that, we just focus on things that you can get done today. Like what's most important to you today? So usually stuff I ask like setting goals, establishing a spending plan, emergency fund for starters, um, car, hormone, and life insurance. And then we move on to the next bucket. The next bucket represents yesterday. So that's like all the past mistakes we made, forgiving yourself for any mistakes you made, debt management, checking out your credit score, net worth tracking. And last but not least, I guess we go into the champagne problems. You know, like you have so much money, you don't know what to do with <laughs> champagne problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I call that tomorrow's bucket. That's retirement planning, education funds for children, next generational wealth, estate planning. And again, it's just real to make things a little bit more simpler. Just to take it day by day. So, you know, you stick on today's bucket once you're done with that. Then you can move on to yesterday. Once you corrected all your mistakes from the past, then move into the future and just break it down day by day just to make it simple. Nice. I love that, actually, because it like when you compartmentalize your finances, it makes it less overwhelming. And I've had clients who are like, oh, my gosh, I'm in disarray. I don't even know where to start. I'm like, calm down, calm down. We're going to start with where, with where you are today, right? And then we'll talk about you know, the debts that you have, what you've done before and where you want to go. So I love that you've created that approach because it really can help people kind of like zero in on one thing at a time and really be calm during their financial journey because it can get really crazy sometimes. I love oh, yeah. that. <laughs> and, you know, again, social media, it has its pros and cons. Yeah, I'm like, when we see all these articles saying, hey, this person paid off this much debt in oh. two years, they only make it like a small insult, but we don't know what they actually had to do. Right. We don't know all the steps they take. Cause like a lot of this is baby steps, mm-hmm. but people tend to skip a lot of the foundations of finance. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you want to invest automatically, but you don't have an emergency fund. Yeah. Like you need to take care of some things at home first. Then you can move on. I promise these investments ain't going nowhere. <laughs> They're, not. They're still going to be there tomorrow. <laughs> they will. They will. I remember I had someone ask me, um, they were like, I don't know what to invest in. And this this was like a new client that I got. And they were like, I don't know what to invest in. And I was like, well, I, I thought you told me that you didn't have an emergency fund. They were like, I don't, but I really got to start investing. In, and I think they've been seeing a lot of people talking about investing. And I was like, babes, I don't know how to tell you this, but we got to get the emergency fund because investing is going to be a complete shit show at some point. Like, let's get your emergency fund together and then we'll talk about, and it doesn't have to be like a full year's emergency fund, but we got to get you something where you could make it a few months, right? And then Mm -hmm. we can really talk about the investing and stuff like that. So please guys, don't follow the hype. The investments are going to be there. The stock market is not going anywhere. You will be fine. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be fine. Trust me. There's always going to be some new stock to talk about, I promise. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So Andre, how do you recommend people incorporate your bucket approach into their investing strategy or vice versa? So, yeah, um, you know, for this podcast, we're recording in October, and it's actually financial planning month. You know, everybody has their own month. So I've been doing a lot of these one-page financial plans, and that's kind of what I would suggest to do is, like, make your own plan. Um, Quick plug, I guess, for myself. If you don't want to, like, financial advisors, I do my stuff for free. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can come to me, and we'll do a plan for you. I just want to see a lot of people succeed in life and get this thing written down. But, yeah, um, when you're doing your plan, you're going to check out your net worth. You're going to check out everything, your debt, your liabilities. You can just take it day by day just like that. So, okay, let me check my spending plan first. Let me check my assets next. Let me check my investments, my retirement. But I think that's the best way to do it so that we can knock out two books with one stone. 
make the plan. And yeah. you know, it looks like a lot of them missed the debunk, but one is that your plan has to be complicated. Again, I do a one-page plan for people. I got a 10-page one too. Yeah. But one page is good. Like it just contains everything that's important to a person at this moment. Nice. So, of course, retirement is important, but maybe there's some of the other things you need to take care of first. Like, yeah. You know, Order your steps, y'all. <laughs> there you go. I love that you said the plan doesn't have to be complicated. I like, I know people will DM me. They're like, this is what I have going on. And I, when, when I read it, it sounds complicated. I'm like, <laughs> why do you have so much happening? Like, let's scale all this down and be very simple. Like you said, where are we today? What did we do yesterday? What's going on tomorrow? It's really that simple. And I think when we scale it down and put it into like basic terms, it doesn't have to be that complicated. So Andre, I love that you tell people it don't got to be complicated. We can do it in yeah. one page. We can also do it in 10, but we can also get it done in one. I just, I love that. No, um, I mean, building wealth is not complicated at all. It's simple addition and subtraction. Mm-hmm. Like, that's truly it. Now with us, we some people can make it look complicated, but at the end of the day, there's only so many ways to say, hey, pay off your high interest debt. Hey, save some more money. Hey, yep. now's the time to start investing. And you can yep. be one with your investing and you'll still be just fine. You'll be good. I feel like everyone's got the same strategy. We just brand it differently, use some different words. But for the most part, it's it's a pretty consistent formula, guys. Like oh, you yeah. don't have to freak out about it. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's not complicated. Yeah. Andre, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Before we let you go, how can we find more, uh, find out more about the Millennials Next Door and about Andre himself? Yeah, so in true millennial fashion, you all can follow me on Instagram at the Millennials Next Door, or you can just type in Andre Albany on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on all social media. It's my bright, beautiful face should pop up somewhere. <laughs> and as I tell people, if you have any questions, slide in the DMs. Like I'd be answering questions. As long as ain't nothing complicated, then I got to charge you. But simple <laughs> questions, come on through. <laughs> right, right. Do you have any um, any new products or courses that are coming out that people can look out for? One thing I will mention, I'm just in on a financial planning month. Um, I've been doing these one-page plans for quite a while. But this month, I'm definitely trying to do at least 50 to 100 that's like okay. a big number. But yeah, um, I just think with this, I'll go and make the offer. Contact me. Um, just slide in my DM, say you're interested. Can get you situated. It's two easy meetings. I don't charge you. You can leave your pocketbooks at home. And it's just a good conversation about your money. I can promise you, you're going to walk away with some good information. Like everyone always does. Nice. I love that. All right, guys. Y'all heard Andre's lead personally. Your wallet at home. Go hit him up. See what he has going on. Andre, thank you so much for joining us on the Black Girl Budget Podcast. I really appreciate it and all of the information that you've given out. You guys, make sure that you go follow Andre on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the places in true millennial fashion. And that's the Millennials Next Door. Andre, thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me.